Let's start the show. You already know who it is. My name is Mike Kyle, aka the Fantasy Vulture. I have over a decade worth of fantasy football experience and I've continuously competed for fantasy championships over the course of the past six seasons. Let's make it seven in 2020. But enough of me, I'm here for you. On today's episode of the FB Show, we are down to the final two of our all 32 NFL team preview series. And today we are going to talk about the Denver Broncos and all of their intriguing, scrumptious, and delicious fantasy options this season. But before we get started with the Denver Broncos preview, a few quick things from you. First off, smash that subscribe button. Whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube, it is greatly appreciated if you do so. So just smash that subscribe button, power running back style like Derrick Henry up the middle. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button down below. Like an open receiver downfield, Patrick Mahomes style, or if you're on the podcast, be sure to drop us a review because that does help the podcast as well. And last but not least, you can follow me on all social media platforms at FFVulture. That's Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, the website is FFVulture.com. There's quite a few players to talk about with the Denver Broncos, and they are all at a draft value for you. So let's just jump right in, shall we? Let's talk about the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke, who could very well be the franchise quarterback for this team. So Drew Locke, second-year player from Missouri. In 2019, he finished as quarterback 37 overall. He only played in five games where he averaged 14.2 points per game. His new finish then is quarterback 30. However, in those five games, he had one game as a QB1, three games as a QB2, and one game as a QB3. I do think it's important to note where those QB2 finishes were. It's one of the things I've been preaching a lot about during this offseason. So those games were 23-12. I lied. They were, let's see here. There we go. It was 21-21 and 22. So there were not a whole lot of world-beating numbers by any means. Obviously, having one QB1 game is good, and that is a good sign of things that he can accomplish for your fantasy team. But for the most part, he was just pretty average to below average. He didn't help you all too much. Uh, His stats as far as last season goes, 100 completions on 156 pass attempts, 1,000 yards, 72 rushing yards, 7 touchdowns, and 3 interceptions. His current ADP is quarterback 22 going in the 14th round. Ivan Rage is quarterback 24. The big thing with Drew Locke is he's a player that you have to decide if you're in or you're out. And that's tough. That can be very, very difficult for anybody to make that decision. We've only seen a five-game sample size. And what we saw in those samples, like, there was the one really good game against the Texans. And then I believe he also played against the Lions. And he played decently well in that game as well. But we don't have a whole lot to go off of. But this team is surrounded by talent. And you have to decide, are you in or are you out? Andrew Locke this season and because this might be one of the only years where you are able to get him at a extremely discounted draft price like there's a like there's a very very real possibility that Drew Locke could be this year's Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson where he's the guy that you draft super late in drafts and he's going to be the one that wins you your league as far I've tried I've tried a few times this offseason to talk myself into Drew Locke and I actually know that he's currently sitting on my Dynasty waiver wire. So I, I could spend one of my picks to grab him if I wanted to. But when you look at how deep 
this quarterback pool is this season. Like, there's Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, Burrow, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Like, all those guys kind of fall into, like, the same tier for me. Where I do think that they have the offensive pieces to succeed. It's just which guy do you believe in more? And even then, still, I think I'd rather have Matt Stafford if I'm just spending up an extra three rounds to get Stafford because I know the production that I'm going to get from him. And you really just have to decide what your expectations are for Drew Locke leading the Denver Broncos this season. He does have the pieces to succeed, so we are going to talk about those. And as of right now, I am just kind of on I'm kind of on the fence. Now, if I get sniped and I lose, well, I like that's the thing. There's so many good quarterbacks at the top, right? Even just in like that third tier where you're looking at Wentz, Stafford, Newton, Rodgers even, Big Ben, Jared Goff, Josh Allen. Like, it's very hard to not be, it's, it's almost impossible to not walk away from your draft with, without one of them. So is Drew Locke really a necessity for your fantasy team? And that's where I go away from him because I don't think he's a necessity to my team. Um, could he be a nice to have potentially? Yes, especially during this season where we know depth is going to matter a little bit more and the upside is certainly there, but I don't know how comfortable I am to rely on him week in and week out as he is still learning uh, how to handle an NFL offense, even though he does have the talent around him to succeed. So it's one of those things you got to either decide, are you in or are you out? And as of right now, just because of the surplus of quarterbacks, in fantasy football, I am out on Drew Locke. Let's move over to the running back position and talk about Melvin Gordon, who the Broncos signed this offseason. Melvin Gordon missed the first uh, three games, kind of four games, last year due to his holdout. If you remember, he came back in week four versus Miami, and he did not see a single snap. So we missed four games last season. He finished as running back 25 in standard and 23 in PPR. 13.3 points per game on 12 games played. His new finish is running back 16. He had five games as a running back one, four games as a running back two, and one game as a running back three. 162 touches, 42 receptions, 612 yards, 296 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. So Melvin Gordon was what he's kind of always has been, and as the thing that he's really developed into his NFL career, and that is a little bit like... He's a volume guy that has developed into a pass catcher, but does the majority of his work getting into the end zone, right? And luckily for him and for fantasy purposes, this is the team that should be able to score, right? We do have some questions about Drew Locke, but regardless, there are too many pieces on this team to succeed. In fact, it's almost very similar to the Cleveland Browns last season. Now, maybe they don't have the talent of having an Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry, but some of the guys that we're going to be talking about, like Cortland Sutton, they bring in Jerry Judy, Noah Fant at tight end. Like, these people, these players are super incredible. Like, they have, the, they have incredibly high ceilings throughout their fantasy careers going forward. So there is a lot to be excited about with the Denver Broncos just all the way around. Melvin Gordon, though, uh, his ADP is currently running back 20, going in the back of the third. Ivan Rick is running back 22. And for me, it's really just a matter of what is the workload going to look like between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay's been an incredible running back. We're going to talk about him in just a moment. 
throughout his NFL career. It has just been two seasons, but each of those two seasons, he has been unbelievable. And I don't think people actually understand how great he's been. So you're really asking yourself with Melvin Gordon is are you, who are you taking him over? That To me, that becomes the question. Um, Melvin Gordon, to me, represents this, the, the, represents the back tier. Let me do the math here. I think it's like tier three or tier four. Um, so, for example, um, Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon? I, I side Le'Veon Bell. James Conner or Melvin Gordon? I side James Conner. David Johnson or Melvin Gordon? I side David Johnson. Leonard Fournette or Melvin Gordon? I'm going to side with volume, and that's Leonard Fournette. Mark Ingram or Melvin Gordon? Mark Ingram, incredible running back on the best rushing attack in the NFL. I'm going to take Mark Ingram. And then after, and then after uh, Melvin Gordon, there's David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Jonathan Taylor. So Melvin Gordon, to me, is kind of like that last guy in that third tier in that third tier or so that third or fourth tier, and it's just it's just as simple as there are other players that I would prefer more that are in the same tier. That's not saying Melvin Gordon is bad by any means. We know what he's done throughout his fantasy football career after his rookie season, and he was, he's been very, very good just based off of volume alone, um, but he has developed into a very nice pass catcher, and it's just a matter of what's his role going to be in this Broncos offense where he is splitting time with Philip Lindsay, who kind of shares very similar characteristics to Gordon. But let's talk about Philip Lindsay, shall we? His second year in the NFL, he finished as running back 19 in both formats, 224 touches. Like, I don't think people realize the amount of work that Philip Lindsay had last season. 35 receptions, a, 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 a thousand rushing yards, 196 receiving, and seven touchdowns. He had three games as a running back one, three games as a running back two, and five games as a running back three. You have to remember just how bad this Broncos offense was last season. They really were just stalling before Drew Locke came in, and I believe Locke went one and four in his five starts with the Broncos. But with Lindsey, he averaged 11 points per game on all 16 games. He finished as running back 24, so he still is inside the running back two range, although on the back end of it. And his current ADP is running back 32 going into the seventh round. Ivan ranked as running back 37. And it, to me, this is as simple as he's just not going to get the opportunity that he deserves. And that sucks because Philip Lindsay has worked his ass off to become such a great NFL player that we've seen throughout the first two years of his career. And now they just they bring in Melvin Gordon and all the hype and all the potential that of what Philip Lindsay could be is kind of just stalled now and that stinks because again Philip Lindsay through two years in the NFL 1037 rushing yards his rookie season and 1011 yards his sophomore year a total of 16 rushing touchdowns um, when you look at the reception totals 35 receptions in each of his first two seasons 437 receiving yards like he is so good in both facets of the game and he has the ability to do both and now they bring in Melvin Gordon I want to look up the Melvin Gordon contract right now because I forget off the top of my head what it actually was Melvin Gordon contract yeah so even though like the Melvin Gordon deal isn't a whole lot it's two years 16 million but even still Philip Lindsay had the opportunity this offseason to really emerge as one of the most 
dynamic and electrifying running backs in the NFL. You know, he hasn't had a whole lot of respect. He's been this underrated gem. And then all the uh, all the momentum has been ripped away from him this offseason. So as much as Philip Lindsay, I think, is still very underrated for fantasy purposes this season, because there's no way that they're just going to remove him from the equation entirely, I do have him outside of my top 36, and it's just as simple as you don't bring in Melvin Gordon and you don't give him the ball. So that's obviously going to take away from Philip Lindsay. Now, if anything were to happen to Melvin Gordon, I think Philip Lindsay becomes really, really intriguing. And I think the interesting thing about Lindsay is throughout the first few weeks of the season, depending on what his snap count looks like, I think you can trade for him really cheaply. So that's an intriguing option. If maybe you're struggling at the running back position, maybe you lose someone due to injury and you need a guy that you might be able to plug into your flex uh, option week in and week out, or maybe a running back too, if you absolutely have to. I think Philip Philip Lindsay could be that guy and is being a little bit underrated for fantasy purposes. Again, I understand why that is the case because they did bring in Melvin Gordon, but Philip Lindsay is just such an incredible talent. And whenever he's been on the field during the first two years of his NFL career, he's been very, very productive for fantasy football purposes. Moving over to the wide receivers, we're going to talk about two guys that I really like. And the first being Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is just an incredible wide receiver. He's so damn talented. In 2019, he finished as uh, wide receiver 17 in standard and 19 in PPR. Two games as a wide receiver one, five games as a wide receiver two, and two games as a wide receiver three. 124 targets, 72 catches, 1,100 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. When you look at the adjusted score, 11.7 points per game on all 16 games played. His new finish is wide receiver 27. His current ADP is wide receiver 24 going in the fifth round. Ivan ranked as wide receiver 19. And to me, it's just as, it's as, matter, it's as simple as this. We've seen the emergence of Cortland Sutton. I think this is, his, I want to say this is his third year. Let me clarify that. Uh, Cortland Sutton... Yes, so this is going to be year three for Cortland Sutton, and we saw it, we saw the glimpses during his rookie season and his increased involvement in the offense. And last year really was his first year being the number one option. And I thought he played pretty well in it. You know, obviously going through the Denver roulette of quarterbacks, essentially, that's always going to be a little a little bit of a challenge. But now it looks like that they have some stability in Drew Locke. So I really hope that their chemistry is able to take Sutton to the next level. And I think that's going to be the interesting dynamic this season is what happens with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on the field at the same time. When the Broncos drafted Jerry, when the Broncos drafted Jerry Judy, I felt like Cortland Sutton was dead. I kind of felt similar vibes to Michael Gallup, but a little bit less extreme. If you recall, when I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys, I said CD Lamb is my least favorite draft pick in NFL history. Because I felt Michael Gallup die on the spot. And I've since kind of backed off that just a little bit, bit, but I'm still not fully in on Michael Gallup. And I felt the same way when the Broncos selected Jerry Judy just to a lesser extent. Because Jerry Judy is this highly touted prospect who's been uh, who's been given NFL GMs like hard eyes through the past three seasons or the first three se- or the past three seasons or so. And now we have this emerging talent in Cortland Sutton. And then you throw in Jerry Judy in the mix, and it felt like that Cortland Sutton ceiling comes down. But I don't think it's going to come down 
fully this season. I think we're going to get uh, a 1-2 punch and not a 1-A-1-B type scenario. So I still like Cortland Sutton this year, and once I kind of rationalize that and realize Jerry Judy is going to be involved, but this is Cortland Sutton's team, um, I was willing to move Cortland Sutton up my rankings. And to me, Sutton kind of represents... Uh, Sutton represents this next tier of wide receivers where you're looking at Cortland Sutton, Lockett, DJ Chark, uh, and DK Metcalf, and even extending just a little bit further, Terry McLaurin and Devontae Parker. I also have T.Y. Hilton just kind of smashed in between there, but I think Hilton's kind of the lesser of the names that I just said. Well, all these guys are players that really do have a high ceiling, and you're going to get them a little bit discounted just because of the depth of the wide receiver pool. So if you want to start, I've talked about this a little bit before, like, if you want to start with Tyler Lockett as your number one, DJ Chark maybe as your number one, Cortland Sutton as your number one, if you lean super running back heavy to start your draft, or you spend an early pick on a tight end, or even a quarterback, there is so much depth at this wide receiver, at, at the wide receiver position this season, to where I'm perfectly cool with Cortland Sutton being my number one, because I know he's going to get the targets, I know this is the team that should be able to move the ball, and they have enough pieces just to score in general. So I am all in on Cortland Sutton this season. At first, I was a little bit scared, but then as I really thought through the process and I deconstructed some of the thoughts that I had around this team, I'm all in on Sutton this season. But let's talk about Jerry Judy, shall we? Actually, I should probably pull up my, my, rookie, my rookie spreadsheet, shouldn't I? But Jerry Judy, the player comparison for me, like this is really easy, and this is Antonio Brown. I talked about this with CeeDee Lamb. But there is a very distinct difference between CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. CeeDee Lamb was the freak athlete, the DeAndre, top, De DeAndre Hopkins type talent, where if you wanted to, th to throw a jump ball, he can go up and get it. If you needed an, if you needed an athletic play, maybe a one-handed catch, and then maybe the play could be extended after a broken tackle or just a shifty cut, that's CeeDee Lamb. But when you want to talk about a technician, an absolute route master a route running machine somebody who's going to be able to break down defenders and make the quick cut and boom take it to the house you're looking at jerry judy and that was the antonio brown blueprint was it not antonio brown one of the best route runners that the nfl has ever seen in 2019 jerry judy from alabama 102 targets 77 catches 1163 yards and 10 touchdowns when you look at the measurables just the epitome of a of a wide receiver he's 6'1 193 and runs a 445 so not only does he have some of the size the weights jimmy's I mean, just a thinner guy like whatever i'm like when you look at wide receivers kind of across the board, it's very hard to find like beefier guys. Like, I'm not sure Mike Evans, a DK Metcalf, you know, a, a, an athletic archetype compared to a more shifty and finesse type player like Jerry Judy is. And then he runs a 4 4 5. Like, that speed, like, that's going to be there and that's going to be a big advantage for him. The Broncos used their first round draft pick on him at 115. The current ADP for Judy is wide receiver 45 going in the 10th round. I am ranked as wide receiver 52, and it's just as simple as this offseason. It's going to be a little bit different. Rookies might take a little bit while, a little bit longer to develop and really just get acclimated to the NFL speed and just the NFL gameplay just in general. And again, this is Cortland Sutton's team. So I do think they're just going to move Judy along very slowly, and the focus this season is going to be on Sutton before they make that transition into a 1A, 1B type approach for this team. Um, I want to pull up my notes on Jerry Judy. Do I have any? Let's see. I should. 
He, I believe he was one of the first people that I looked at. Yeah. Yeah, my exact notes for Jerry Judy, and I used Julio as the comparison, but as I watched more film, like Antonio Brown was the better one. Um, it, my, my notes are just as simple as technician. He has all the tools. He's Julio-esque. And maybe that, maybe that Julio-esque was just a bit too far, but I do like the, the, I do like the Antonio Brown comparison just a little bit more. And as far as like where I have him ranked among rookies, and this is just as simple as I don't like the fact that he is competing for targets with Cortland Sutton week in, week out. And we've seen this formula with Denver specifically, whether it was Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, like that's the first kind of du uh, duo that comes to mind, where we have seen success uh, with two wide receivers in Denver. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a matter of, I know that there are other wide receivers who are competing, who are not competing for targets, should I say. And so I do have those wide receivers a bit more. Jerry Judy is my one, two. Jerry Judy is my fourth wide receiver overall. I have him at number eight. And my overall score for him is a 31 out of 33. So I'll talk about more. I'll talk more about that formula in my, in my, in my, mega, in my mega dynasty special. I'm going to actually probably record part of that tonight because that's going to be a monster of a video to make. But back to Jerry Judy. If you want to take your late round flyer on him, by all means, go ahead. You're take, I mean, once you get to that 10th round, it's you're picking your shots and you're planting your flag on players. If Jerry Judy's your guy, damn it, he's your guy. And that's going to be the big thing this offseason uh, that I'll be talking about within that dynasty special is take your guy. So if you like Jerry Judy, by all means, go ahead. He's in a great offense where he should be able to at least not only just get on the field, but also be productive in the snaps that he does get. Let's talk about the tight end, Noah Fant, for the Denver Broncos. This is a player that in his rookie season played extremely well. He's one of the few rookie tight ends to uh, surpass 500 receiving yards, and that's kind of been the number that's been thrown around, that's been thrown a, that, that has been thrown around a lot this offseason. Uh, and just kind of just in fantasy football in general. Like that 500 yard is a baseline and is a pretty good indicator of what tight ends are next to break out. So Noah Fant finished as tight end 16 in both formats. He had two games as a, as a tight end one, six games as a tight end two, and three games as a tight end three. 66 targets, 40 catches, 562 yards, and three touchdowns. When we look at the adjusted score, 5.3 points per game on 16 games played. His new finish is tight end 25. He's currently going as tight end 12 in the 11th round. I'm rated as tight end 14. And to me, I'm pumping the brakes on Noah Fant. But it's not because I'm out on him by any means. But it's even just more so that, again, this tight end position is as deep of a as, is as deep as we've seen in years. So you are picking the guy that you like if you're waiting on a tight end. So whether it is Noah Fant, Mike Gesicki, Chris Herndon, Blake Jarwin, Hunter Henry, uh, Hayden Hurst, Jonas Smith, whoever it is, because I literally just rattled off seven names, you are taking the guy you like. So very similar to get your guy with a tight end, get your guy. Noah Fant has the tools. He's an extremely, incredibly talented athlete just in general. He has big playability, very similar to Mark Andrews. So if you want, if you kind of... To me, Noah Fant kind of uh, fits the mold of the big swing. If you want to take your big swing at tight end, I think Noah Fant's your guy. If you want to play just a little bit safer, maybe you do go with a Austin Hooper, Jonu Smith type of player. But if you want to go for that big swing, a Blake Jarwin, Noah Fant, Mike Isicki, 
I think I lean Noah Fant of those just because we've seen just in the limited amount of games uh, with Drew Locke, he did play pretty well. I want to pull these up. He had his he had one of his games as a tight end one, and he finished as number three on the week. He had a tight end two performance in there as well, and it really is just kind of it is just trying to figure out what your view on this Denver Broncos offense is because when you're looking at tight ends, the main thing that we look at is for me at least. I look at opportunity more than touchdown upside, but I do know that that people do look at touchdown potential. And if we expect the Broncos to be able to score points, then we have to factor that in to Noah Fant and considering him at the tight end position. The thing that I need to really bring up that I haven't, unfortunately, with the Chargers that I need to mention here as well, this is a division that is going to hang points up on the board, I think, because they have to. When you play... The Chiefs twice, right? There's two There's two games where it's first to 45 wins, right? And then you look at the Chargers, and yes, the Chargers do have a very, very good defense, but they still have the potential to, to score on you as well. They have a lot of great just pieces overall. And then you look at what, what and then you look at what the Raiders are doing, and they're kind of following the or they're trying to follow the Chiefs model to the best of their ability. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done, and that's almost an impossible task to replicate. But this is going to be a this is going to be an absolute bloodbath for a division, and with that being said, that's why I kind of like divisions like this for fantasy because I know if I'm drafting a Denver Broncos, I know I'm playing the Chiefs twice, I know I'm playing the Raiders twice, and I know I'm playing the Chargers twice. So I know there's a there's almost at a minimum five or four to five games where I know it's first one to thirty points wins. So you know that there's going to be scoring potential for these players. So that's one of the that's one of the hidden gems that I look for when I'm t- when I'm considering guys on the clock if I'm torn between two players. One of the first things that I go to is just simply divisional schedule and what the outlook for that division should be. But I think that's going to do it for my Denver Broncos all 32 fantasy football team preview. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening whether it was on YouTube or on your podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe on wherever you intake this content. You can also leave a like on the video or leave a review on the podcast app. Would be greatly appreciated. Um, what else? Also, let's, let's plug this again. Follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok at FFVulture. The website is FFVulture.com. I'm still trying to figure out, honestly, what I want to do when this series is all said and done. I've done so much work into this into this series. It's been pretty much my only focus for the past month and a half or so. And now that we're coming to the close and now we're coming to the final chapter of this with Las Vegas uh, being the last episode, what do we do next? So I got, I got some planning to do. I have some ideas, but this thing's going to look a little bit different going forward. And I am excited about that, but it's been a hell, it's been a hell of a month and a half to just grind through these profiles. It's been so fun and there's still a lot more to come. So please be sure to subscribe and stick around for all of the future content. I'm going to get up out of here once again. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. But before I go, remember people come and go, but fantasy championships are forever. All right, I'm out. Peace.